0: Fact, it's. I think my last episode was March of uh, last year. Uh, so if you're returning here, thanks for coming back after such a long break. If you are new here, glad to have you and thanks for joining me. My name is Isaiah Newkirk. I am a cycling coach and former professional racer and live here in the wonderful town of Boulder, Colorado. Uh, I created this podcast two years ago to help push me to uh, really just explore more. Uh, I've been coaching for 10 plus years, I I needed to uh, continue to push myself and keep things from getting stale. So this was my outlet for that. And it was to pursue uh, new things in the world of coaching and just athletics in general. Uh, So I'm graced with a large pool of amazing athletes and people within sport. Uh, in my circle, and I wanted to be able to grow from that and allow others to grow as a result as well. I called this the training edge podcast, but because beyond just wanting to spur good conversation, I wanted to chat with athletes and coaches to see how they unlock their edge in training. Now, a little more than in the past, I'm going to be sharing my knowledge about particular topics as well throughout the season. That's not to say I won't have guests on the podcast with me because, you know, really as a person, I would much rather talk to another person rather than just be talking into a microphone, but I've had a bit more requests for me to give training tips and advice as a coach and an athlete. So you might be asking, well, where has this podcast been uh, since March of last year? Well, really, it was just a lot has been going on in my life. And I needed to put something on the back burner and amongst other things, this was unfortunately one of them to give you a brief update since the last episode in March of last year, I did a few things, um, to start, I did unbound. Uh, we'll get to that shortly. Kind of probably gathered that by the title of the episode. I went to Europe in, directing for project Echelon for three weeks. Uh, My wife and I went to California and backpacked for two weeks in Sequoia or Kings Canyon. It was amazing. Highly recommend it. Um, I pretty much immediately came back from Europe and did Leadboat, which is uh, also the title of this podcast, but it's the combination of Leadville and Steamboat in one weekend. And again, more on that later. Uh, I directed two other large races here in the states. I did some more trips, did some went to some weddings and to capital off um, I've taken on a new role of director of coaching at FastCat Coaching. and I am also working as a power and data analyst for human powered health or what people probably know as rally. So it's been a it's been a lot. I've taken on a lot. I'm good at saying yes to things I'm pretty bad at saying no to things, uh, which is something I need to work on. But that's uh, that's a lifelong process, I think. But enough about me, but that gives you an understanding. It's not that I didn't want to do these podcasts. I still have a lot of passion for them, and I think people, or at least from what I've heard, people get a lot out of them. So I want to keep this going. Um, I don't really want to put a promise down on wh- when exactly these will be released. I do this for enjoyment. I do this for you all. I don't make money off of it. Um, so... It's one of those things that I wanna keep it casual. I wanna keep it growing. I wanna keep it coming as it comes, but I don't wanna force it, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, But anyways, let's talk about today. Today will be the first podcast actually that it's just I talking, it's just me. So if that's something you don't wanna hear, I'm sorry, but um, I do think you'll be able to get a good bit from this. Basically, it is a little bit of clickbait on the title of the podcast, Um, because as a coach, I 100% stand firmly that you need and should put in the time to train for events like Leadville and Unbound. These are events that should be respected and are very demanding physical feats. Uh, But due to, you know, this last year, due to everything I had going on, I had close to zero training and had to rely on just small tricks from years of racing just to get me through these two events. These tricks are exactly what I'll be talking about in this podcast. Um, it's, this podcast is also timely because Unbound and Leadville recently announced their lottery. So if any of you um, received a, an email letting you in, congrats. Um, if not, then at least for Leadville, there are other ways of getting in. And I definitely encourage you to take those on. I've taken those routes and they're great. They're great events. Um, They're just qualifying events or charity route events um, that you can do. So look into those. Um, But anyways, back to the tricks. The Since, really since it's the first one, I'm gonna start with Unbound. So that one starts, uh, I believe it's uh, right at the beginning of June. Um, And really prior to me doing Unbound, I had time to do basically four weeks of training. And the longest ride I had done before Unbound was six hours. Um, this was due to, again, directing primarily and a few other things going on in my life. I didn't have the time to devote to accurate training. Um, but through you know referrals and other things like that, the registration had shifted. So I found myself with a registration. I didn't wanna pass it up. Um, so I decided to say, go for it. Um, and these are a few things that really saved my day. Um, if there are any of you out there that are not doing Unbound or not doing Leadville, but you have a long event that is pushing you, um, endurance style event, you can still use these tricks. They still apply. And I would definitely encourage you to you know take these tricks and then use them in light of the race that you're doing. So analyze the race that you are doing and maybe apply the pacing trick that I'm going to mention and other things like that towards your event that's coming up. Anyways, a little bit of a side tangent there. Um, so here are a few, uh, tips and tricks, I guess, that I learned through the race and have applied through my athletes and myself. Um, so to start is the start. That is the initial section of the race. Um, basically unbound is a pretty chaotic start Uh, you have a rollout out of town um, and then you immediately not immediately but you do take a turn onto a pretty uh, I would say dusty style of gravel so pretty quickly you're having uh, sight impaired a little bit Uh, pretty out of the gate you start seeing the casualties of unbound which is essentially flat tires um, due to the lack of vision, the fact that you're in this very large pack, um, you do tend to peg rocks that you normally wouldn't want to hit, or you would normally know not to hit. And as a result, there's tends to be more flats in this very early portion of the game in this race. Um, word of caution here, which is pretty much my caution for a lot of athletes outside of the very pointy end of a race is relax. Don't let yourself get caught up in the momentum of the race and too far into uh, the hype. You're going to feel good. You're going to be tapered. You're going to feel ideally primed and ready to go. But I knew at the beginning that I wasn't primed and I wasn't ready to go. So I needed to be as calm as possible and use everyone around me as much as possible and not burn matches. Important to remember that you may feel great in the first hour of Unbound, but you know if you're racing the sun, you're literally racing the sun. So it is going to be a very long day of being out there. So keep it together and control yourself and let yourself get dropped by different groups or let people ride away from you if that's just something that you know you don't need to be doing. I promise you, there are most likely people behind you you will find other people to ride with it will pan out um, but it takes a lot of control and it's worth it to settle in and just let it go so start super critical be calm and take it easy for the most part there are always going to be exceptions to these rules i'm just going to say that up front but that's the key though At the beginning it will be crazy Um, also don't feel intimidated by the argy bargy nature of the start, um, and be cognizant of running into, uh, bigger rocks or sharper rocks that you would normally be able to see, but cannot see because you are behind, you know, a thousand other riders and there's a large portion of dust. So something to keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind is obviously, you know, this is super early in the morning. Um, it's pretty much at the crack of dawn, and there's all sorts of other preparations that need to be made. If you struggled fueling early, um, aka if you struggled having a breakfast that early, the it's wise of you, and it really can behoove you to get started fueling soon. So once you're off the line, really start chowing on food. Um, some athletes struggle with you know, card loading the morning of a race, especially when you start so early. So that's another fueling strategy is to get into it quickly. So that means like shoving some uh, maybe chomps down your face when you're in the first 30 minutes of the race. Um, once things kind of like settle down, the other really big key thing within uh, fueling early, and we'll get into deeper, the deeper dive of fueling down the line, but um when you start getting into the crux positions of the race, it's just gonna be that much harder to fuel. So getting it in when you can is hyper important. So stay on top of that. It's really, really important. Um, The next point is, or tip is pacing. As I kind of mentioned, this is a long day. So you need to be ready for that long day. And as a result, you should go through the race, kind of like pick out, points of the race where it's worth it to extend a little bit more energy and how that can be used. The tough thing about unbound is, you know, as every racer of unbound will tell you, it's not flat at all. And uh but everyone who thinks of Kansas will think that way. So it's easy to be like, "Alright, well, this is a climb. I'm just going to extend the energy here." And again, at the beginning of the race, extending matches um, and putting out far too much energy early on. Be put in a plan in place of okay, this is the pacing that I'm going to be doing. I'm going to cap what usually what I advise my athletes is cap your heart rate. So if my heart rate goes over this amount for this period of time, I'm going to back it off. On climbs, obviously you're kind of dictated by getting up the terrain, but it can that recognition can help you keep it tame earlier on. In the ride. So, yeah, something to think about there is pacing. And basically, throughout the entire course, there's different crux uh, places that are more or less either really bad condition roads, particular climbs. Uh, Little Egypt, obviously, is something that's discussed quite often. And, but really finding those within the GPS map beforehand understanding where those key moments are within the race and then saying, okay, all right, I'm I'm going to put in a little bit of energy here in order to relax a little bit here. Something that we'll talk a little bit about is wind. Wind obviously affects pacing. So you should be cognizant of that and be careful of it as well. Um, All right. So I know this is kind of rough, but really like if you're coached, Talk to your coach about pacing. That should be something that you should walk through the entire day. I know it's excessive because it's easy to say, well, just do zone two the whole time, it doesn't work that way. And that doesn't really maximize your efficiency out on course and to take advantage of the day. So good coaches will walk you through the entire race and give you pacing points and tips throughout the course. Um, if you're not coached, then I definitely recommend, you know, uploading the course, taking, a look at the GPS file picking out different areas, being realistic with yourself within what effort you can do, and using heart rate as a big guide. Um, you know, As somebody who came from altitude to unbound, it's coming from altitude is a little bit of an unknown within coming to sea level. So again, heart rate is really important, um, almost just as much as power on race days. So the next one, within pacing a little bit, is using others. There are a ton of people out on this course. There's, they're doing the exact same thing you are. I'm sure they'll have you know different days. We all have different stories from this day, but use them, use others. So at the beginning, really try and hide, really try and find shelter. Um, obviously again, we're going back to try not to f- get a flat and that is a, a definite concept. Um, we'll talk about equipment in a bit, but use others, draft others um if you have somebody who catches you and then you know passes you and you're able to pretty easily jump on their wheel without using too much energy for a good portion of unbound you're able to draft that is something that you are pretty easily able to do without too much consequence there's going to be times out on the roads where you know the the climb might be too steep or you might be on a pretty gnarly section of gravel so it isn't worthwhile to be behind them just because you're risking a mechanical but outside of that it's definitely worth putting that into practice and uh even while i was out there you know there are definitely people that are trying to do that that are trying not to gift energy um but as much as you can use others you definitely should makes a big difference um you know other ways of potentially using others it can be a intimidating thing to be in a group and kind of like everyone's trying to tell you to pull through or be in a pace line um, it's pretty difficult to get a real constructive pace line going um, on unbound but it is doable and you know look to that but if you are on the rivet or if you're in a place where you're like oh i don't even know if i should be hanging on to this group Definitely don't pull through and don't feel like you're obligated, put away your pride, know that it's much better to not be, uh, nailing pride, but then being able to essentially finish the day off strong. Um, that's worth it. So stick with that. All right. So outside of using others, fueling. So fueling is obviously a massive, massive thing on a duration such as Unbound. It is honestly, you know, it's the longest event I had ever done. It was the longest race by far I had ever done, um, including my pro years. So like, it was definitely still a shock. It is a difficult thing to do, pace, um, sorry, fuel. So first keep in mind the rugged nature of the train. There's a reason that people recommend you use larger tires than most other races that, you know, gravel races require uh, in the U.S. scene at least. So it's tough to fuel. Now, that means that any time that it is not rugged in nature or it's not challenging in that way, you need to be putting something in your system. Hydration and using liquid calories is huge and unbound just because it is easier to drink obviously than eat Um, but the big thing is you're out there for a really long time. Anytime you're racing for more than 10 hours, you want variety. You want different things because you never know what you're going to be craving. You never know what you get sick of. Um, so really outside of having it on your person, have variety at the aid stations or at the, well, really it's more for your crew because it's self-supported, Um, you need to have a ton of variety there. That's like potato chips or pizza or like whatever it is that can inspire and get you to get some calories into your system. Um, You know, there's the normal stuff, which is like, okay, you can do a high carb drink mix. You can do uh, blocks, bars, you know, gels, all that stuff. But, you know, think beyond that as well and go into other places. So like muffins, cookies, waffles, um, sandwiches, cheese, uh, I had Cheez-Its, I had blueberries, like that is all really important to have access to just in case. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you could go down the, you know, chocolate milk route you could do. I mean, obviously like Coke is a huge thing. Um, so really just like whatever inspires you to, to eat. Big thing here is heat. It gets hot out there. It is notoriously hot. Um, obviously there's hotter years than others but it's gonna hit and heat affects fueling. It affects what you need to fuel with. It also affects oftentimes desire to fuel. So for example, if you're dehydrated or if it's hotter out, um, your ability to chew and intake harder things or maybe saltier things is tough. So you need to be ready for that and be able to depend a little bit maybe more on liquid or something that's a little bit easier to get down with uh, the heat. So something to keep in mind. Um, but as far as timing goes within fueling, this is super important. And this goes back within like creating a plan and creating pacing guidelines. You want to put in place like a marker of, hey, I need to be eating this much. Um, and I need to really make sure I do that every 30 minutes. How am I gonna do it? I'm gonna get it in a variety of this, this, and this. Um, I can depend on this amount of water fuel Um, Or hydration mixed fuel, and this amount of hard fuel. I have this um, accessible in this pocket, and this accessible in that pocket, because that's another thing is how you're accessing it. Um, And then obviously, like it's really, really difficult, and really only the elites do unbound without a pack on their back. So you really want to plan all that out because the more you stop, the more time you're wasting. And the harder you know it will be down the line. It will just make it a longer day. So dial this in, make a plan, and stick to it. Um, I really try to stick to the 75 grams of carb an hour. Um, I unfortunately hadn't done a ton of gut training, so that's another thing. Is when you're approaching the race, spend time training your gut. Spend time um, going out on rides, and even if it's only a two-hour ride, like eating 75 to 80 grams of carb an hour and seeing if your gut can handle it and really training it so that by the time you hit race day even if your training has been a little subpar your gut is still ready for it so you can still fuel like you need to while you're out there Um, you also want to fuel with the stuff you're going to be racing with but but it's always the fine line of like you don't want to get sick of that fuel by the time the race even comes around so that's another thing um yeah so put a plan in place Stick to it, it'll pay off. Um, I see a ton of athletes basically just report back after a race and say, well, I kind of forgot about fueling. Uh, that That is not something you can forget about out there. It will hurt you, yeah, it'll pay off if you find a good routine and system and put it into place. But again, think about conditions, think about heat, think about um, other things as far as like getting sick of a certain food over the course of 10 plus hours, like. Think about all that stuff and the possibilities and have the ability to adapt in the moment with food at your aids and that will help. So keep in mind that there's only two aids. That's really important. There are neutral aids that are out there, but they're really limited. So know where they are, know exactly how much, uh, water you're going to need in a variant condition. So whether or not it's like 110 degrees or it's 70 degrees, like you need to have enough for everything and plan all that out, that's like your biggest friend. So I had all that pretty dial, I had a great crew, and that helped me save a ton of energy because obviously that then makes your uh, rest stops, quote unquote, faster, and then keeps you from basically wasting time. Okay, so we already talked about the heat a little bit. This is a massive one. Um, it was It's pretty decent out there and the shade is pretty piss poor and you can find some trees and there are some river crossings a great tip that i received um the year before i did unbound was stop in the river crossings don't like try and you know keep your face pristine so that you have all the dirt on it so you can get the perfect picture at the finish like go through the rivers use them they help cool you off even with getting your feet wet people are always trying to ride through them Um, sure. That's fine. That might be faster, but it doesn't take anything to really like stop, just walk through it, get that cooling in, maybe like splash some on your upper body and your arms and call it good. So tip there on, on a little bit of the heat factor. Um, other thing, as far as heat goes, you know, again, coming from altitude, I hadn't had a ton of heat training, but altitude can actually be a pretty good heat training mechanism if used correctly. So keep that in mind, um, all you altitude dwellers out there. Um, but really there's no, you know—you don't just adapt to it without really experiencing it. You can make small physiological changes, but you won't get the full swing obviously. So be ready for it, know that it's coming, have coolers at your aid stations, try and uh, use ice socks. So that's like nylon hoses stuffed with ice that you can put down your back or other places, and that, that does help a ton. Obviously, cold water helps a ton, so if you could swing that. Obviously, like cold, anything really goes a long way. Um, you know, Be careful. Obviously, it's worth mentioning. Uh, overheating is a thing, so just be cognizant of that, and if you need to give yourself time to bring your heart rate down and let that uh, settle, do it. Worth it. Um, there's plenty of people that were stopped and laying down in the shade along the course. Obviously not ideal, but yeah, not worth the risk. Um, Next, hills. There are countless rolling hills in Unbound. So be ready with that mentally. And they are pretty relentless, a good portion of them. And they're on pretty grindy, fairly chunky gravel. Um, And this is, yeah, definitely no joke on that front. So be ready for it. Uh, I think this kind of goes into equipment but think about gear ratio think about what ability you want to have in order to be able to spin Uh, but also know that there are sections of unbound that are pretty flat so you do kind of want a pretty decent spread but that will obviously allow you to dictate your pacing so if you're coming into this event with a little bit less I guess say training it's important for you to be able to not throttle yourself when you can't or don't want to so Gearing can make a big difference there because it can allow you to bring the power down and still move forward. Um, So that's, yeah, the Hills are are pretty big and they are, they add up throughout the entirety of the race. So just know that they just, they keep coming. You have pretty much a climb with like a mile to go to the finish. Um, And by the way, it's not 200 miles. It's basically like 206, I think. Um, But yeah, just keep in mind those climbs are hard and, So if you have the ability to train muscular sensation, so the ability to push a large overgear, so you do overgear work, you could do short, steep, punchy climbs. You could do um, some strength training. All that stuff is going to help within your resilience in this race. So I definitely recommend that if you can put that into your training. Um, Okay, next, wind. Wind is a huge one. And, um, you know, this, This past year, it was a large, large portion of uh, headwind. And when we were primarily within the large group, so early on in the race, it was a tailwind. So it wasn't as much of a benefit to be with a group. But when in the headwind portion, it was a massive benefit to be with a group. So that was a rough time to be solo. Um, So I'd recommend like knowing where the wind is, knowing what part of the course to expect what. And then as a result, that can kind of help you craft your plan. But definitely keep that in the back of your mind that that is a large portion of your pacing. So if you have a large headwind section and you find yourself alone or with one other person, like obviously that's going to be a pretty large portion of your energy needed to be used um, just to keep an average speed going. So just something to keep in mind. It can also give you some good reprieve. Tailwind can allow you to maybe ease it up just a tad. You just need to know where that's coming out of. Um, And then as a result, you know, know the course again, we're going back to this, but know the course, sometimes you're going to be going in a direction for a very short period of time. So you can kind of expect that change and then get a little bit of reprieve. The other thing is, as you're going along, I looked at the map, probably far more than any other metric. Honestly, it was just it was a little bit of a distraction, kept me from just staring at the mile markers as they went. So that was great. So just I would definitely recommend using the map, and then as a result, going back to wind, you can see when you're going to be making a turn and maybe get a little bit of a gift of a tailwind, and you're right, as, as an you know, alternative, you're going to see when you're going to have the headwind. So maybe mentally prepare. It also can be a little bit of help within fueling as well, because when you have the crosswinds, and if they're gusty at all, um, on fairly chunky gravel, it is kind of difficult to eat so then again you get a chance to to fuel a chance to eat and again a little bit of reproof so all right that's wind um equipment this is a huge one if you signed up for unbound you've probably already started diving into what equipment you're going to be using this is discussed non-stop um tires are something that you're going to be questioning till the moment you start and you might even be questioning it during the race um What I would say is obviously there as a, as a coach, there are different ways of approaching this race. If you're wanting to be as dialed as possible and as lightweight as possible, and you're fine with stranding stranding yourself out there and getting a ride somehow. Great. Awesome. That's the way you should go. Um, But I would say for most people, we want to find the balance of not having like an entire tool shed with us, but still being able to service ourselves with any bad scenario. So, where I netted was I wanted to have enough with me that in most extreme scenarios, I would be okay. So I didn't have seven tubes with me, but I had enough that if I, you know, triple flatted, I could survive. Um, and I had a boot with me. I had obviously like a, um, wrenches with me. I had other, I had sealant, I had, um, all sorts of other things. And, but that's just kind of the fine line. So you just need to ask yourself, what am I able to do if this happens or this happens or this happens? So if you have a sidewall tear, that is an inch wide, are you, are you, or like an inch long, are you going to be able to fix that? Um, are you just to make it to, you know, the next crossroad where you can maybe see a car? Um, so just think about that stuff. And I think that'll help. Ultimately though, you don't want to be carrying 30 pounds or 20 pounds of gear just in the ability to you know put a new tire on just in case. But have everything under the sun at the aid stations um, just in case something does happen. Um, I was lucky and didn't flat. I punctured and had my sealant seal it and I topped off at the final aid and was good to go. So I was lucky on that front. The definitely, definitely carry uh, sunscreen with you and chain lube out on course. It's worth it. Um, the dust is pretty relentless out there and it definitely adds up, uh, at the aid stations, you know, if you're, if your family is your aid, um, that's awesome. Maybe you spend a little time training them on basic bike maintenance, because you are going to be out of it. And after, you know, 150 miles or 125 for the final aid, you do not want to sit there and service your bike. So do that. That's worth your time. Um, they'll be grateful to do it for you and you will be so grateful for them. So even just something simple, like knowing how to put in some sealant into the tires, knowing how to pump them up, obviously putting chain lube on wiping down the drivetrain. Um, all of that stuff is, is really important as far as um, you know, I, I do think it's worthwhile to have a spare set of wheels. I think that is a, is a wise thing to do, have a spare set of wheels at the aid's, um, just in case something happens, I know a story of a guy that basically had to like limp and, to an aid station and had to put a new tire on. So it is, and can be definitely worth it. Um, and if you have tire issues or wheel issues for that matter, like I know another athlete where his wheel broke and luckily had brought a spare. So worth it. Um, let's see what else within that. Yeah. I mean, definitely have a chair, the aid station. It's wonderful to sit down. Um, tents are great. You can sit in the shade. Uh, just think about what would really satisfy, like reinvigorate you. I think is the right word. If you are, you know, 150 miles in, think about that. And that leads to equipment. You know, like or sorry, crew. You need to have like a trustworthy individual that you know will make it there. It is kind of a tough. Like obviously, you're navigating a little bit of back road roads in. Uh, Emporia. So, you know, make sure they know what they're doing. If they don't, then just teach them, walk them through it, spend the energy. It's going to be worth it. I think the worst thing I've seen athletes do is basically so say, well, I got found a crew. They'll figure it out. They can do it. And then, you know, the night before they're looking at the tech guide or instruction manual, that's basically like, you need to get there. Um, and suggested routes and so forth. And yeah, you can follow the herds of people, but it's it's pretty stressful. So the more you can kind of help out your crew, the better and just make sure that it's a pretty dialed because that's essentially just an extension of how dialed your race is. Um, and then, you know, the last thing that I kind of wanted to touch on was just mental tips and tricks that I went through. I think everyone, no matter who you are, in Unbound goes through highs and lows, and you will feel awesome at times, and you will feel horrible at times, and you will resurge more often than not, really. Um, but sometimes you'll feel really bad, so it is worth kind of remembering that and finding small things to focus on and distractions to maybe have, um, because man, if you're riding your bike for that long, you're probably going to be alone for a section of it, and. You It's pretty funny what you end up thinking about throughout all that time. Um, So just have some mental tips and tricks up your sleeve that you can distract yourself with and and have a purpose, like really remind yourself beforehand of the purpose that you're out there for, and that will make those really hard times worth it. Um, Or when you get to the aid station at the very end where you're just like, man, I really don't know if I care to finish this, you'll remind yourself of that and it can help quite a bit um because those honestly those moments of feeling down can be fleeting if you approach them the right way one thing that really helped me was like it's gorgeous out there you might not think about Emporia Kansas being gorgeous but the Flint Hills are freaking gorgeous look around it's amazing how much wildlife you see out there I saw countless hawks um and all sorts of other wildlife so soak it in live it up like Even if you just go out there and you do it once and you never, ever come back, like at least make that day count. And that's kind of like what got me through it and really made me thrive is like, live it up. If you're putting in the energy, the time, the money, um, others' energy, time, and money, yeah, you better make that day worth it. So Unbound is an amazing event. Um, But I would say like use these tips and tricks to help make the most of that and really be dialed. What I learned is that my greatest friend was trying to stay out of VO2 as much as possible, knowing that it's a long day, pace it like it's a long day, have as much thought out as absolutely possible, and then just embracing the day and letting it come as it does. Um, Yeah, definitely recommend. The event is definitely the the king of of gravel in the U S right now and it lives up to the hype um i guess another tips and tricks that i did was i did uh, bar i used a friend's sprinter van and that's kind of the housing that i found um because at the it, housing their books out it is not a big town um there and it's tough to be far out and then drive in so if you are able to a Hotel now, 100% do it. Even if you need to cancel it or you don't get a refund, it is worth it. And try and find something downtown. It's pretty scarce, but do it. Um, but if you do the Sprinter Van option, you can rent a Sprinter Van, drive there, use that as both your vehicle and your, your humble abode. Um, if you do that, I found a way of, uh, through a friend, parking in the expo, um, which was perfect, but... The other option is there's a Walmart in town, so you're able to sleep there. Um, there's just different parks. There's different um, KOAs, like different campsites that you can sleep at. Um, so that's totally doable. So just know that it's not just like, oh, I can't find a hotel. Like There are other options. Get creative. It's not too bad. I and mean, ultimately, it's nice to have a shower, but you can find showers in different places. So, um, yeah, get creative. It's worth it. Um, and don't be discouraged by the housing thing because it's definitely hard there. Okay, so that's Unbound. If you have any questions on how to make an event such as Unbound a better day or more dialed day, like please reach out. But again, just make a plan, keep calm, enjoy the day, and stick to the plan. Um, You gotta nail fueling, you gotta nail the amount of matches you burn, um, and that'll really keep you in a safe space. Now onto the second big event. Leadville. This one actually kind of scared me. Um, and then I've actually done Leadville before, so it wasn't the event itself that scared me. It was the fact that I was literally going to Europe and not riding my bike for three weeks. I was going to do some running over there, but if anyone's ever directed before, you don't really work out. You kind of, you're kind of a, a slave to the job in a way, in a good way, but you are. So I knew that my fitness was not going to be good. Um, and in fact, I'd be very detrained by that point. And I knew that I would be pretty much deacclimatized to altitude at that point because I was in France and was not at altitude. I was at sea level. And that was all going to add up. And then not only was I taking on Leadville, which we'll talk about here, I was taking on Lead Boat, which was two back to back days. But ultimately, I was just really excited to try something that I had never done in my life. It was such a challenge that, you know, it even made seven day stage races that I've done in the past seem. A little bit less, in a way, um, and you know you can hear like Pete Stetna and other people like that talk about the demands of Lead Boat and what their body went through as similar to such races like that. So, anyways, here I'm just going to talk about Leadville uh, because that's pertinent. But if you have any questions on Lead Boat, let me know. And uh, yeah, I'd definitely be willing and open to share my experiences. I could always make that a podcast down the line, but we shall see. Um, so, if you don't know anything about Leadville, it is a 100 mile mountain bike race. It's actually, again, like 106 um, 100 mile mountain bike race in Leadville. So, I think the base altitude of, of Leadville is, is above 10,000 feet. So, you're always above 10,000 feet in this race. Um, and you get up to i believe just shy of 13 and there are some really significant passes that you take so it's a super challenging event um it's there's always the gamble of like well is it a full suspension is it hardtail is it even a gravel bike um and so it's the same thing as unbound it's like the equipment question is never ending and it will never stop um but it kind of depends on the person. So. I knew that I was going to have to pull out all the stops on this race in the weekend to make it work really well. Luckily, I had done it before, so it was something that I could use that experience to my advantage. All right, so I'm going to go through a lot of the same stuff, but in a different pointed way. So the start, for example. The start's interesting because it's a corralled start. So depending on your qualification time, if you qualified, that puts you in a different start corral. And with COVID, they finally put it to a um a wave. So like there's a gap between the corrals rather than a pretty much mass start and you just start with your corral, um, if that makes sense. So this year there was actually a, I believe, five minute gap between the pros and everyone else, basically. And then they kind of chunked it out from there. Um so I was in that second wave, which was kind of nice because it actually meant that. There was zero temptation to stay with the pros. Like I was in my corral, I could just stay with them, Um, and that was simple enough. But even then, um, Leadville starts on a pretty fast way out of town. Like it's downhill, basically out of town. Then you hit some dirt roads, and it's super fast, flat. And then you hit the first climb. And that's kind of when things start to break up and segment Um, it's hard in Leadville because you don't want to get caught behind too much traffic so that you can have free reign, but also know that like at the beginning, pretty much for, unless you're at the very front, like for a lot of Keevans, like you're going to be behind and around traffic and there's no way around it. So a big thing that I reminded myself at the beginning is keep it. It's the same thing as unbound. Keep it chill. You have a long day ahead of you. Keep your matches close to your, close to your chest And you'll see other riders at the beginning of Leadville just throttling themselves to get around one person just to kind of like increase their pecking order or their thinking like a mountain biker where you got to beat one more person into the single track. There's really no, there's no single track. There's like one kilometer of single track in the entirety of the Leadville race. So don't stress that you can find ways around other people. So don't burn matches just to get around one or two people. Like keep it together. Try and keep it again aerobic. That's the other thing. Altitude, aerobic. You want to stay aerobic. If you go anaerobic, that's just pushing that fold of not being able to recover at altitude. So keep it together, um, and that goes into into pacing a bit. Um, so that's the start. But just be cognizant that, like, again, you really want to keep it together. Don't get swept up in the moment and know that they're like more important places to apply that energy down the line. So now we get into altitude, um, which I kind of mentioned for a second there uh, within pacing. It's a huge factor within pacing. Um, the nice thing and the super cool thing about uh the Leadville course is you can chunk it up into basically quarters really really well and an easy way to do this is actually to look at the Leadville stage race route so that's a different event that does Leadville 100's route but in a stage race like quote unquote uh format so it has sections of the of the exact level route compressed or split into several different days sorry so Take a look at those because they do a really good job. Otherwise, take a look at the GPS route and pull out the primary features, which is basically going to be the climbs. And it kind of comes into first climb, which is basically Keevans. Then you have the kind of like descent down and into the valley. And then you have uh, Columbine, which is obviously like a massive climb. So good one to know an exact pacing on and then the big obviously like power line is the big target on the way back in but everything you go down you have to remember you go back up so there's a good bit there um but again pacing i used heart rate again that's definitely what i recommend again is at altitude your heart rate's going to Especially if you're deacclimatized, you need to follow heart rate that much more because power your power zones are going to be skewed. You can make the adjustment manually based off of like the standard comparison of one percent per thousand feet, but that's not always exact per athlete, so you just need to be cautious of that. Um, so then heart rate becomes again a much better marker to really abide by because it's going to be something that is relevant at altitude. Um, so what that means is on. All these climbs, Um, so for example, just throwing this out there. The first time I did Leadville, I believe I did not walk, which is a funny thing to say um, or admit to. But then this past time I did it, I walked three times, once on Columbine and twice on Powerline. It was the concept of you're working super hard to stay moving forward on tough terrain, And your heart rate is through the roof as a result, but you can be walking, not going that much slower and bring your heart rate down. And this is super relevant at altitude again, because it's one of those things that if you push through that and you burn that match, you will not be able to recover from it, or you most likely will not, especially with lack of training. So something to keep in mind, like, don't be afraid to walk and know that that's quite possible on these routes. Many do it, and usually it's really just the top guys that don't. So keep that in the back of your mind. Um, again, another thing on the altitude front, hydrate, 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 and make sure to hydrate beforehand. Go into the race being plenty topped off. Don't overhydrate, obviously, but um, definitely make sure you're not dehydrated. That will be your the nail in your coffin. Um, and make sure to stay on top of that throughout the entire race. Super important. The other thing that's going to hit is heat i think people kind of forget how hot it can get during Leadville, but when you're up on these climbs and going literally two miles an hour and the heat and uh high altitude sun is just nailing you it is super hot um i think my computer recognized i think 110 degrees and that's like obviously just ambient like heat Um, and they're usually a little bit higher, but it, it, it felt horrible on power line this year. So know that that's a thing, know, that's going to strike. And, um, again, that's another thing that like, if you overcook your system too fast, that stuff's going to add up that much more and hurt you. So that can be another reason to stay on hydration again, and actually consider walking too. um, then. Into, I guess, the remainder of of just pacing in general. Um, you know, it's worth the investigation of each climb. I think, like, I can do a podcast just on the climbs of Leadville, and there is a really great Leadville podcast that you can listen to that they literally do, I think, a weekly episode just talking about the race for a period of time before the race. So they break it all down. So I don't need to really do that here because they do a pretty darn good job. Um, but know that the terrain is variable, like, know that. Uh, this past year, they put in new rocks on one of the climbs, like not the race, but the town or the local area, uh, did, and that totally changes the dynamic and changes how hard the event, uh, can be. So just keep that like, know that that can happen. Um, and it is definitely, if you can, like, let's say you live in Colorado, it is totally worth it to go out and pre-ride this course Two sections of it. Don't like, I wouldn't recommend necessarily doing the full pre-ride um, unless that's what your coach really wants you to do and you really plan for it. Um, but you can chunk it up and get the key sections really, really well. Um, the other thing to do on a pre-ride basis is maybe you get there a couple days early and you're able to get in, um, some time out there. I would definitely recommend riding power line, um, I don't necessarily think you need to ride Columbine. It is a long, steady climb for a majority of it till the top where it's pretty darn steep and a lot more gnarly. Um, And then I would say the other thing that's probably good to ride is kevins, because that gives you a really good insight into the start of the race. So it could be like the start to kevins and back. Um, Again, level stage race uh, or training camp routes are great references to that. Um, so yeah, look at that. Those are always worth it. Um, but to give you a little bit of insight into some key sections of the climbs, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely worth it for you is essentially. Keevans isn't too bad. Um, that one's pretty straightforward. Uh, there is some seat sections. There's some pinch points, but really, which makes that climb hard is that you're around so many other people and it's the beginning of the race. Everyone's fresh and pushing it. Um, so you might be pushed into some awkward spots or awkward lines, so just be ready for that and save kind of those matches for then. Um, power line um, or going down power pipeline. Um, it depends on the year as far as how technical that is, but just be ready for a very fast um, mountain bike descent. Um, the valley itself, definitely this is another one that's similar to um, use others around you nail a group in the valley that will save you so much energy not having to work in the valley um, and increase your speed tenfold it's usually fairly like decently windy down there it can be so really try and time uh you know on the way out it's a little bit easier because the race is a little bit more compact on the way back it's definitely worth like leaving the aid station with others so you can make sure you have people around you in the valley um columbine itself again it's uh pretty straightforward it's it's like a jeep climb a hard long mountain pass jeep climb um not rugged really and then at the top it does get a lot more rugged what makes it really difficult though is super steep and it is two-way traffic and at that point the leaders will be going back the other way so you have to kind of you of course have to um, yield to them and give them that descent so it does change it can make your lines really difficult you can't always just take the optimal line um so just keep that in mind um and yeah don't be uh intimidated by that because it can feel a little claustrophobic when there's two-lane traffic and you're doing some decent technical bits and then maybe descending well you will eventually descend back down um also keep in mind whether you are at high altitude on top of a mountain so everything can happen they've had snow in this race they've had rain in this race like have at least have a jacket up there with you um but yeah that's something to think about is clothing because you start super early and in the mountains it's pretty cold so just keep that in mind as well um and yeah i would just have variety with you uh but you need less than you think you do you warm up pretty fast out there so um okay keep moving this is the similar concept to unbound Keep moving, try and keep your downtime as much as possible or down as much as possible. So aid stations, don't just stand there chugging like multiple Cokes or taking your time eating something. Grab something, maybe put it in your pockets, get something very minor in that you can't carry with you, um, exchange something out and go and leave. Um, That's really important, it'll save you a ton of time in the long haul. Um, I think my first year I had like 30 minutes or so of, of stoppage time, that's bad. Um, think about kind of like if you're racing for a big belt buckle, that makes all the difference. And that's pretty darn hard to impossible to make up. So just keep moving, even if it's slow and you have to eat while you're doing it, it's better to do that than come to a total stop. Um, equipment. This is again, something that people will discuss and debate for forever, probably, um, I'm going to approach this from the side of my side, which is if you're coming into this with less time on a mountain bike, um, maybe you're a roadie, maybe you haven't been able to train, you're kind of like me, it will, the, the position change and the rugged nature of the race will wreck your back, will wreck your body. Um, so I would encourage you to air more on the side of comfort than performance. So instead of doing like a rigid hardtail, maybe you would want to do a full suspension bike. Uh, Maybe go with a little bit wider tires, maybe go with a little bit of a different pressure. Um, This will give you a little bit more comfortable quality throughout the race and save you long term. That's the route that I took. And I think it helped me out quite a bit. Um, And then, you know, as far as uh, equipment goes within just kind of helping you throughout the day, this goes into the same thing with Unbound of like what tires, what should I bring with me again, it's just kind of like it's less extreme than unbound. I would say just because there's more aid stations, there's more ways of getting saved for lack of better words, but you need to have stuff with you in order to get, fix your mechanical situation. So chain link tool, uh, tube, uh, CO2 sealant, all that stuff. It's important to have that with you. Um, but again, we don't need to go like insane, insane and have ridiculous amounts. Um, and as far as the aid station goes, it's, it, they have food that's race provided and supported, but it's great to have a crew. Um, what I would recommend that worked really well for me to keep your crew from like darting around all over the place is basically uh, Twin Lakes is like a great station. You'll hit it twice. You'll hit it on the way out and then the way back down from Columbine. Um, so that's twice that you can see your crew. If they want to take on a little bit more, they can, you know, go to Keevins or other places as well. So... Um, but that's kind of what I would recommend in the route that I chose. It just means you can obviously depending on how many aids you're able to find along the way or hit up, um, you just need to have more with you. So again, goes back to the unbound, um, fueling, which is pace that and plan it out, like really plan it out. Um, okay we got through equipment. Let's see. That's a little bit on the aid station side. Um, just as similarly, like it's important to have crews that know what they're doing or be able to do it yourself. It's a little less extreme, I would say than an unbound. Um, but again, it just kind of depends on the day. So, um, and then finish time target. This is huge within, I w- honestly, I would say like unbound and Leadville. Uh, so I did want to touch on this, you know, Going sub nine in Leadville, you gets you the big belt buckle. That's usually the target that a lot of people want to hit. If you finish it under the time cut, you get a little one. Um, just as you know, that's just as big of an accomplishment, in my opinion. Um, but you know, knowing your finish time target and being realistic about it um, will allow you to go into the race with expectations. And then as you go through the race, and if you did enough planning and you know the race and you know how to burn your matches and, and what's coming up. Then you can say you can actually make the calculations of, well, what's the like, what is the likelihood that I'm able to um, get under this target or hit my a goal or whatever it might be, and that'll allow you to break down the race as you're in it and as you're doing it, which is important within mentally staying on it, mentally pushing yourself in the right places, not dumping too many matches in certain spots when you have too far to go. Um, those are all huge things to kind of know, and that way it allows you to compartmentalize it while you're out there. Um, of course there's an old fashioned way of like putting STEM notes on your bike or on your top tube, but I've gotten to the point where I can kind of do that in my head, um, and get the time goal that I want. So, um, and that allowed me to do a sub nine, get a big belt buckle without really any training at all. Um. And, of course, I have years of training in my legs, like I have residual fitness. But that stuff goes away, Um, and it definitely has. So not all of it, and, of course, there's a large mental factor to it as well. Um, But it really was making a large plan, really dialing it in, knowing beforehand and knowing and really committing to the fact that I only have so many matches to use. And, actually, my commitment was that I have zero matches to use, so I need to use as little as possible. Um and that helped me. So so I know this is kind of vague, but I hope that all these kind of give you insight and tips and tricks to how to do these races without uh maybe as good a training as possible, or perfect training, or in my case, really any training at all. So I hope that helps. Um and but as I mentioned at the start of the show, there is no true replacement for hard work and training. And honestly, I would never do these again without training. But what I did realize is that these tips and tricks can be used, um, by you all, my athletes, and hopefully those that are listening here to help with either this race or other races that are similar, um, towards applying and, you know, saving race, optimizing their, their race, or even just, you know, hitting a, 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 completing the race in general. Um, you know, I've coached countless athletes to big belt buckles and, you know, actually two athletes to top 10 and top five respectively overall at Leadville um you know plus countless athletes to beating the sun and unbound and these tricks work um but you do have to there is a degree of adapting them to who you are so just because i'm telling you that these worked for me or that they're working for athletes that i've had doesn't mean i would give them to everyone and you should still approach them with your own strengths and weaknesses in mind and your goals as a result all right everyone um Yeah, Thanks for joining me this week once again, and welcome back. Um, If you enjoy this episode and and tips, then send me a note. Let me know. I'm on Instagram at um, isaiah.newkirk. Rate and review this podcast if you could as well. I've got some good guests and topics on tap that I'm pretty excited about, and it it does feel good to be back. Um, Again, no promise on how regular this podcast will be pushed out, um, but you know, I think you you can look forward to it coming out quite a bit more regularly. And obviously, I'm not going to take another, you know, close to year off. So again, appreciate you all. I hope everyone's doing great. Till next time, keep finding your edge.